Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Look at this trove, treasures untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Looking around here, you think, sure, she's got everything. She's got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. She's got who's it's and what's it galore. You wanna think I'm a bops? She has 20. But who cares? No big deal. She wants more. She wants to be where the people are. She wanna see, wanna see them dancing. I want to go see that movie. What do you call it? The Little Mermaid. With the black girl from Chloe and Haley. Welcome back to episode 16 of this podcast called The Checkpoint. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by every black person that went to go see The Little Mermaid for our beautiful black princess, Ariel. There is no more um, little white girl redhead. That girl has been put in the Disney vault and we shall revisit her for history classes. But as for now, the new Ariel is black with locks and a little strings in between. If, um, well, we're gonna jump right into it. Well, you know what, let me be a, 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 a kind host. Hello, I hope y'all had a great week last week. Um, for me, it was a fabulous week, as you can see. One of the reasons why it was a fabulous week for me. Um, and I hope it was a fabulous week for you as well at the workplace, in the church place, at your home, but most importantly, in the theater, darling. I don't care if it was the AMC, the Cinemats, the Grand, the Studio Movie Grill, or your local, um, ooh, that girl don't even have a dollar movies anymore. Oof, what a memory unlocked when people used to go to the movies for a dollar on Tuesdays. <laughs> what a gag that is now. But back to what this first part, this introductory is going to be about the beautiful work that Haley has done for The Little Mermaid. I went to go see the movie with um, a few friends of mine. Everyone was older than 26. Nobody care, I mean, because we was raised up on the original. And of course we stand Miss Bailey, so duh. But we went to go see it and 10 out of 10, recommend take a friend go solo take your niece take your nephew take your grandmammy your your mammy mammy take everybody that you can this movie i don't know any other studios that are doing live action 
um, versions of any animation that they did in the past. I think Disney so far is the only studio, if not um, the main one. But this live action movie will go down as the standard, the the blueprint of what it really means to reimagine such an iconic character, animated character, and do it with such class, beauty, truth, diversity, just a stunning, stunning. Again, Miss Bailey, I shall bow down and kiss your kneecap girl because you just did an amazing god has blessed that young beautiful black woman with just immaculate talents that is sure come from the heavens above amen and melissa melissa i heard that melissa was anxious about her rendition of poor unfortunate souls ma'am 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 may we all give you your applause because an impeccable job at ursula and great job at making that song your own and really leaving it to where no one can say hmm i wish that she would have did xyz because you made it your own there was no need to compare you to the original just stunning beautiful colors literally beautiful gowns not even being funny like everything was immaculate immaculate like everything was top tier uh i even got a chance to <clears throat> lean to my own horn here a little toot toot um a beep beep um a toot toot um a beep beep but i got a chance to be on BBC Radio, um, they reached out to me, a reporter reached out to me via Twitter and said that he valued my um, thoughts on it and wanted me to send over a clip as soon as possible for me to share my thoughts about what it really means to have such a beautiful film like this impacting today's generation and what story does it really tell overall for um children so i would drop that at the end of small talk so y'all can hear your boy you know what i'm saying getting exposure or whatever you know what i'm saying get a little big one you know what i'm saying but surely surely as the little mermaid came out you know it was gonna be credits because duh that's how the cookie crumbles and that's how the crumbles get swept um when i say swept um the little mermaid as of right now as of recording has grossed 117 million dollars with a black woman now playing what was known to be a white character this this is another example for how we baby let me tell you something we don't play about ours you understand when it's time for us to to prove you know white folks that we gonna come correct 
about we're gonna step behind ours because what you won't do is play in our faces when it's come time for representation. You understand what I'm saying? Cause we're gonna step big purr. Rip me out the plastic, I'll be at the brand new. Purr. Big purr. Real, real, real mermaid shit. Yeah, I'm in the ocean, but I want to be on land too. Ah. But yeah, shout out to them, man. Um, what's so crazy about that though is this is how I know that Rotten Tomatoes and any other um white lid committee or academy needs to be abolished or just uprooted. But Rotten Tomatoes gave the movie a 68% rating basically like a is that a d like a d or f any girl anyway 90 to 100 is a 89 is b yeah so like a d rating relatively low compared to the audience rating of 95 percent and if you don't know the difference the critics is the the critics going they sitting down they going to you know premieres First watches all that and they giving their 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 thoughts on it. Ah, trash. But 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 bo but but bo tomato tomato tomato. But they gave it 68%. Hating honkies. And then the audience gave it 95%. That just lets you know, girl, I don't know what John Dean over there talking about as far as giving it a six to eight percent. But me and the people that went to go see the people, the people, the people, the working class people that went to go see it, girl, we thought it was a worthy 95%. She did it. She did it. She did what needed to be done. So a big shout out to the whole cast. Love it. I plan on going again. Um, today's Memorial Day. So, you know, I couldn't go today because people are off with their chair and child and people who could make it this past weekend. They're gonna go. I wanna go like tomorrow, probably after the gym, honestly, and just, you know what I'm saying, hop in there and just have a good time, solo dolo. Um, and speaking of studios and critics and stuff, and stuff that's been in the news and stuff, Netflix, I talk about y'all a lot. And yet here I am again talking about y'all once more if you have not been paying attention the last couple of weeks if not a month and some change um there are, there's been a protest for the writers a writer strike um again something similar happened um about a decade and some change ago i want to say um so what that mean that means that writers are not going to work Studios are pausing on um, green lighting different first look deals. Shows that got renewed for second seasons or other seasons would not be worked on. Shows that were in the middle of filming are now paused because even though you were in the middle of filming, sometimes there needs to be rewrites and that happens for shows and films. So writers are like, uh-uh, girl. No, ma'am, what y'all won't do is keep making all this money and pay us little to nothing when it comes to surviving and thriving in this expensive cost of living 
especially where they are located. And sometimes, most times it's LA, but sometimes also um, New York and a few other locations that's popular to shoot in, like um, parts of Louisiana, parts of Florida, parts of DC, whatever. But even then, that's not true to where the home studios are, uh, as well as Atlanta. The only person that's probably not taking a hit <laughs> to the writer's protest is Tyler Perry. And you know, Shay, we just know. It, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, so why I wanted to mention Netflix, right? So a lot of the uh, writers in Hollywood, rightfully so, have pinpointed that Netflix is playing a big hand in the strike, along with other big streaming companies. But they have a problem. And just let me break it down for people who don't understand. When you have the traditional episode run, like 22 episodes, back in the day, and even up to a certain point, as of recently, some shows will have 22 episodes. 22, 22, 22. That means 22 weeks of content back to back. Now, for people who are trying to get a wrap around, like, okay, what's 22 weeks of content? Let me break that down. Um, let's just use Atlanta Housewives for an example. They're not, they don't use writers, they're reality TV, so this doesn't apply to the strike. I'm just using them as an example. Atlanta Housewives usually have about 26, 27 episodes. That's including the uh that's including the reunions okay there are four weeks in a month so imagine how long you get to experience a season of atlanta housewives the waiting the social media engagement all that stuff that's how long certain shows used to be as far as 22 episodes now since shows were that long as far as content being in viewable by the audience which is us you also have to take into account that meant that writers producers were working longer to flesh out their content sometimes most times it used to be like eight months to a year to really perfect a a, a good season and, and for people to start filming and once you know the actors get into character this is post tabery after the actors get into character and they see like little holes and reactions, what's not natural, the writers would then go back and rewrite in the middle of production after already spending eight months to a year of writing the season. So let's fast forward to the days, to today's expectation and new norm of platforms like Netflix releasing shows that have about eight to ten episodes so not only are you not doing a traditional 22 episodes and there's pros to cons to that right because actors actors are like oh okay great i don't have to have my schedule tied down for a big chunk of time to do a season that consists of 22 episodes i can just do eight to ten take a little break get back on to something else that i can do uh, like another job another or whatever right so that's a pro to it the con to that is writers are now commissioned to write at a shorter period of time 
And when you look at what it takes to do a season that has like eight to 10 episodes, you're no longer working for that full year. You're no longer getting a year's worth of pay. Sometimes you're getting up to like 15 to 20 weeks of pay, depending on how short the series need is. And sometimes that's also including the rewrites because truth be told, by the time that some writers get to the middle of that eight to 10 episode series, by episode five, six, production studios and these these big streaming platforms want to start filming. So there's not much of a need of rewrite to happen after everything gets written out because they're already starting the process of, you know, working things out. Writers don't have the same pay anymore. And that's fine because, again, it's pros and cons to everything. But what makes me so sad about just how we are as a society to piss on the people that makes it possible for us and tell them that it's raining. Let me give y'all numbers. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm getting my journalist bag. Netflix made a, a commitment of a roughly about 15 to $17 billion to content in general around their platform for like a year or some change. Their revenue was $31 billion. Okay. Now, when you factor in how much billions are, <laughs> y'all can afford to pay these writers more. And let's just say hypothetically, um, 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 I'm playing the the dumb advocate. I don't like saying the devil advocate because the devil don't need nobody advocating for that man. We're going to play the dumb advocate, right? Let's just say that they really couldn't afford it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Let's just scale back on the amount of content, the original, that, and that's, that makes sense. Let's scale back on the original content that you are releasing to the platform and have a certain amount of original releases a year across every genre. Um, Action, uh, uh, drama, horror, all that stuff. Let's just do that. Great, cool. Then you can have within your budget to still pay them what they deserve. So I'm not understanding. And then just like an asshole, just like an asshole, one of the CEOs is going to say, in response to everything and the backlash that they're getting. Oh, well, luckily this platform has quite a bit of catalog to extend itself for, you know, quite some time. And we really want to work out the best that we can for our writers because our writers make it possible for us to come here to do the jobs that we love. But just remind the writers that we do have enough content to sustain ourselves until they're ready to bend on us not bending. That's such an asshole because you got all the money in the world, dog. Well, I tell you, the society that we live in, man. Money, 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 money. 
hateful white man. And I feel sorry for those people who are those new writers coming up in the industry and they're having to pause and try to figure life out. It's, it's sucky. I know actors, some actors are getting behind writer crews because, I mean, sometimes actors are also producers and directors on stuff and you want to see your entire team win. Like, um, oh my gosh, Quinta from Abbott Elementary, she's also a writer on the show. So she's an actor, writer, producer, director. So she's impacted in several ways as well. Um, and I remember when Girlfriends ended in such a blink of an eye kind of way, it was also because of the same kind of protest that was happening. So I hope, hopefully they figure it out, Stranger Things 4 or 5. Um, 4 or 5? I forgot what part we on. But Stranger Things is on the hold right now on, on top of our other favorite shows. So hopefully they figure it out. Um, if not, anytime soon. Don't be expecting to see any new favorite show of yours come back on the um, you know, end. <sighs> so I saved this last part for the end so I could take a break because I know my nerves may get um I know my nerves, my nerves may feel kind of rattled and daddled, honestly. Um, I sat back a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago to, 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 to collect my thoughts. So, but anyway, if you haven't watching the news, and if you have not been watching news, if you have been watching TikTok or wherever you consume your news, hopefully you're consuming your news from other places besides TikTok. But there's been more articles about stores wanting to pull Pride um, apparel because of social media backlash. And these parents do this thing every goddamn year. Every year, Parents, they put on their their Birkenstocks, their um, you know, bad sports hats, and they head on over to the Target, or the Old Navy, or any store they can get to, and they record and say, "Hey, look here, the store is trying to sell gayness to our children," and. All this other bull crap. And then you got politicians saying that those individuals who participate in drag are trying to teach children how to become the best drag artists of all time. And it's just who I'm just so I'm just so tired right now, child. I'm just so tired right now. And I just want to use this time. Let's take a trip back down media lane, shall we? Back in the 1950s and 60s, there were movies in Hollywood figures that represented a certain kind of masculinity and femininity. Now, if you ask me, at the root of the masculinity was violence, um, gun toting violence. If you know anything about the movie industry, 
Westerns have been a part of the catalyst to good action movies, good hero movies for quite some time. Uh, Westerns, they played a big part in the surge of blockbuster movies in, um, again, media representation. And I'm thinking about this because there's so many articles that speak about how little kids during that time would go to the store wanting toy guns and pretend to play bad guy, you know, bad cop, good cop and shoot him up style, you know, and be real violent and show a lot of vigilante expression. No one said anything about that molding children. No one said anything about that representation molding young boys and sometimes girls to be violent, um, vigilant. When I say vigilant, I'm not talking about for a good cause. Just They just pretend they're saving the world um, and killing people like, I'm not going to bring up that subway situation. Um, no one mentioned that, right? No one mentions the molding and grooming that happens when parents, mostly white women, choose to put their daughters through pageantry and have their hair sprayed so many times that it can drill a hole in a wall for a TV to be mounted. No one talks about when those white women put dresses and makeup and blush, lashes, the little freckles on their daughter's faces for them to strut across stages and those miniature bridesmaids gowns with their little kitten heels and they are then rated and scored by older white women and allegedly men. When I say allegedly, because they're bullshit. Okay? No one says anything about that. No one says anything about that molding. You know how many advertisements I've seen in the state of Texas that talks about what it means to be a boy and grow up and get a gun. No one says how that could be potentially molding the next school shooter. But you're talking about some articles of clothing that children can wear that basically says, hey, my parents love me and they identify as such and they are pouring love into me and I am going to grow up and to support my parents and anyone else that identifies like this. It ain't saying any dang on thing about getting out there and wanting to be, because let me tell you, truth be told, quite a skill, baby. I would never want to push being a member of the LGBTQ community on my child because the level of hell we go through for waking up out of the cooch the way that we are, I would never want to make this choice for a child. You understand? Because I I didn't have any say-so in me being attracted to the male 
I didn't have any say so. But damn it, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes if I did, I would choose no thanks, girl, because it's very, it, it gives very much hell on earth on that side of things. So to think that we will want to put children through that, you are out of your mind. Because the way y'all treat us for simply want to take a breath, y'all, y'all hate us for wanting to do that sometimes. So please stop it. You need to figure out why y'all can't pass a goddamn law on on gun control. You would take your kids to Hooters where they seeing ass tits with side of chips and guac. Save it, Peter, Janet. You know how many people groom their children to go to the same college as them and get pissy hot when that child says, oh no, mom, thank you, I don't wanna go there. Should we talk about the college admission scandal when y'all were pushing? You know what? I'm sorry, Shadow. Shadow looked at me like, oh my God, what's going on, dad? I'ma just, to people that feel like we have a gay agenda, I just wanna let y'all know this. We don't have an agenda, we have, we have the knowledge and understanding of what it means to want to extend grace to allow people to be themselves and to live in a world and a society where they can feel comfortable and safe doing so. Those of us who are still even engaging with the church community, it's not because of other humans. It's because we truly are thankful that God has kept us. For, for for people out there who are scared to breathe in the same room as homophobes, as racists, we know what it feels like to just want to be safe. So for that, we ain't apologizing. Help us. Be bright after this break. Hey, yep, this is me. I'm back again. Here's a quick snippet of my interview for the BBC about The Little Mermaid. Check it out now. Hi, my name is Darius Johnson from Dallas, Texas. What I appreciate the most about The Little Mermaid being played by a Black actress is what that says to so many young girls and boys that look like her when it comes time to imagine yourself in rooms or in positions where typically society or the workplace or even academic settings say you don't belong. I think that teaches them on how to really drive to push to have a seat at those tables. And as far as it goes for the sisterhood and the diversity that the film displays so well, I think when I look at her sisters being played by different women from different backgrounds and different ethnicities, I think it shows what sisterhood should look like in society, I think, as far as women go. And for people to say that diversity doesn't matter, I think that says something about the way they're trying to portray the world we live in. We don't live in a world where everyone is the same and it teaches kids how to coexist in a space where people look different from you. And even with that difference, you can still create a sense of belongingness for each other. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. 
Thank you for listening to that little cute little snippet. I had the pleasure of doing. Oh my god, thank you, thank you so much, BBC. Thank you, oh my god, oh my god, thank y'all for reaching out to me. It was a pleasure to share my review and my thoughts on the Little Mermaid. Uh, I funny thing is, I have slash had a review page on Instagram called the Pop Perspective, where I did reviews on movies and share my thoughts. So it was cool that um bbc reached out to me to do that um yeah so soon we're going to have a caller come into the building we're not coming to the building she's going to call into the building um my friend dd blue aka khadijah's my childhood friend we're going to talk about something right um that's very interesting to me now that I'm getting older. I don't know if it's because I'm closer to 30 now or just what. But there is this obsession and this pressure and rush for people to have their summer bodies every year between like March and June or March to the end of May. People feel this pressure to like, oh my God, I got to get my summer body ready, girl. I'm going to be snatched, girl. Oh, you know, I'm going to come out there, wash for abs, pure, you know what I'm saying? Body looking right. But it dawned on me that I am Nicki Minaj. (laughs) But no, it dawned on me because I don't think it's sustainable for people to have that mindset. Um, And I think it's such a nuanced thing that I, I want more of us to talk about. So, um, so I have with me my friend. Let me see if she can hear me. Hold up, let me make sure that. Diddy Blue, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So, guys, this is my good friend Diddy Blue. Um, we're from the same same place. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed right there. It's not a shady laugh. It just we just have history. <laughs> But, um, so Didi, you and I were talking last night, just like a casual conversation, very natural conversation about our workout journey and how that's been such an interesting journey for the past, like, 10 years, almost. (laughs) (laughs) But we talked about that and just like how we see the, this obsession to have a summer body ready by june 20th when you only have a two-month time period like i don't i never get that and now that i'm older i really really don't get that so like what's your whole thoughts about like just people who have this rush or this pressure to try to obtain a certain look between march and june now my look now because i was once one of those people not too long ago (laughs) (laughs) but honestly now my thoughts on that it keeps you in a yo-yo effect and i'm very familiar with the effect because i will lose my weight by summertime and i'll be fine for summer but once summer over i gain those 10 to 15 pounds back and don't work out really in the winter and so now, oh, it's getting close to summer. Let me just try to get back right. And you put all that stress on your mind, on your body. And you got to think you really don't have those habits in place. So it's just like, it's like you're going through a whole nother, like, 
what's the word I'm looking for, Darius? Help me out. Like, you really don't have the eating healthy habits in mm-hmm. place, like working out habits. So now you're trying to create habits in 30 days and and you trying to work out and just, just doing too much. So let's feel like you need weight trainers, you need to do this, do that, instead of just like, keeping a balance of the evening working out year long and slowly working towards your goals. Yeah, because like I kept seeing this thing on Twitter. Um side out, Didi, are you on Twitter? You have a Twitter page? Uh, Not really. Okay, girl, it'd be an interesting world on Twitter. But I saw these people talking about like, you know, I need to unbig my bag. Talking about like you don't losing weight, of course. Um and just thinking about this mindset because i was like you know what if i'm not where i want to be by the start of june am i a failure or like am i not going to enjoy summer so i was thinking about how many people actually cut their enjoyment short if at all because they feel like they're not qualified to be outside (laughs) because they don't have the societal, um, they don't meet the societal requirement of what a summer body should look like. And I think, like I was reading somewhere where someone was saying like, people who have that mindset are 2.5 times more likely to experience mood or anxiety disorders because you placing so much pressure on yourself to look a certain way. And like I was telling you, Didi, like, think about how much we go through when it comes to our work schedules, when life get busy, and that also impacts eating, that also impacts going to the gym. Because truth be told, we don't really even have the tools yet to unpack or how to manage, okay, how how do I eat properly even when I'm depressed? If you're a depressed yep. eater. Like you haven't even tackled that yet. That's true. So it's like, how can we just ignore the nuances of what really goes into fitness and just jump into this idea of, okay, girl, show me where your your treadmill is, show me where the weights are, and I'll be out your way in three months. Like that's not realistic. It's not. It's like being on our and I keep saying we've been on a fitness journey for 10 years because we always we feel will, like yeah. we arrived which I think we need to change that mindset because we we are attaching a certain physique to our fitness journey and we feel like once we get that physique we're going to arrive but this is a lifelong journey mm-hmm. like this is something just like you get a car you have to keep getting all changes you got to clean your house every day and deep clean every so often it's just like we're working out like a fitness is just that's a part of who we are, whether it's walking, lifting weights, like we've been on it for 10 years and we feel like we've been failing, but it's just been our journey. But I think um, to answer your question, that it's really with the mindset, we just need to really change our view of how we look at fitness and being in shape, that this is just a part of life and it's just not for summer. Because Mm -hmm. in the winter, I want to be fine. I want to be fine all year long. I want to have a healthy heart, a healthy body, like, all year round. I don't want to wait till I'm real sick or wait till, oh, it's a pool party coming up. Right. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm going to get 
mistake because you you really setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. You want to put an unrealistic, unrealistic amount of weight and gain muscle. A lot of women don't know they be wanting to gain muscle. You see a lot of women that be finding their tone that's muscle. So you wanna you wanna gain muscle mass and lose fat loss in thirty days or two months or even six months. You know, it, your body, it takes time really depending on you. So you put these unrealistic goals, you haven't set up healthy habits to get used to working out. Like you pretty much just like setting yourself up for failure and when you don't meet those goals and things you put in place, yeah, you you it's like you're not trusting yourself now. Mm-hmm. And now in your mood, like, you know what, I always do this. I ain't gonna ever get it right. Forget mm-hmm. it. I'm just gonna go out here and go this they gonna get whatever body they get. Uh, which should have been our mentality in the beginning. Like this regardless of how I look, this is me. Right. So it's like, it's your self so you go on your trip, you're gonna be happy with whatever body you got, you're gonna eat and do you. But then it's like once you come off that trip, it's like working out eating right is like after weather. Mm-hmm. And so Next six months, you ain't think about it. Then when it come back around, it's like the same thing every year. You look up all these years past, you not healthy, you not in your best shape, and it just it's it's a yo-yo thing. And I know because I've been there. Yeah, seriously, because I'm an emotional eater. Like, um, recently, I think I told you this. Was it was I was that you and Greedy I told us about? But, um. Last year, like with traveling for work and going through the transition that I went through on a personal level, like I gained about 14 pounds back and I was like, God damn it. Like I done undid all this work that I've put in and I ain't fine no more. Look at me. I'm just a slob and I can't get it right. And my physical appearance also added on to the other layers of depression that I was already going through. And now that I'm out of that space and I'm having a different perspective on fitness and health, and I'm also focusing on Darius, do you, do you feel good at least? Like, how do you feel? Not how you look right now, but how do you feel? Um, I don't think I even, I was even in a space to recognize or say, okay, Darius, you gain weight, honey, because you are going through some tough moments in life and subconsciously you're trying your best to cope and push through this. You're not you're not actively choosing to ignore your fitness goals. You're just your brain, your emotional, your your nervous system is trying its best to just live day by day with all you have going through. And I can't imagine how many people ignore that aspect of like there's a mental aspect that goes into things when you do happen to fall off the bandwagon because some things are just inevitable in life and sometimes things just knock us off of our routine and the depression the frustration that comes along with it i think so many people have that immediate response because we don't even know how to be gracious and kind to ourselves even when we are seeing progress we see progress and we rush it even more we see progress and rush it even more like we don't ever pause and say you're doing your best that's true and to um just talk about the emotional eat part i'm i was an emotional eater 
I was I was the same way when I would go through like a new job change or a relationship breakup or anything I would experience. I ate and I ate and I ate things that were healthy uh, and stopped working out. Like it's like my as soon as I went through whatever I was going through, it's like fitness was the first thing to leave. Eating healthy was the first thing to leave. Right. And, like, because that's how I was so used to coping with emotions is through food. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not a good coping mechanism. So, because um, at the end of the day, with emotional eating, eating this food is not going to heal. Uh, it's not going to help in the long run. In that's that not. moment, it may soothe those emotions and that hurt. It's and a band-aid to it. Or something, but in the long run, it's not like it's not gonna it's gonna hurt. It's gonna do more harm because now you eating because you're going through this and you got those 10, 15 pounds. You're gonna be more emotional. You're gonna be more depressed. So it's just like a roller coaster, a never eating roller coaster. So just to speak on that, like what helped me get from out of that is just realizing like this is an unhealthy coping mechanism. I have to find other ways when I get stressed and be aware in my body and to know when I'm stressed and know when I feel like I need to emotional eat and stress eat. Like, let me do different things and have different other coping strategies in the, in, in the way. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are your new coping strategies that you have to help you through emotional eaters? Girl, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's funny, but real talk now, like one of the things, it's one of the things, but one of the things I try to do more, like when I feel my nervous system finna go out of whack, when I feel like, okay, Darius, your brain is finna kick your ass, you're finna, you finna go into a moment, what can you do? Can you go to the gym right now? And if I can't go to the gym because I already been to the gym, can't do that because you're going you're gonna to push yourself into tearing your body down too bad. Like, what can you do? And if sleep can be fit in, baby, I'm like, oh, shout out. Let's go to the room real quick, y'all. Let's take a nap. And I legit take a nap. And I think that is one of the ways I know for certain that my body is going to be on pilot and just shut down and I can wake up. And it's like my mind has a different perspective. When I say a nap, I mean like a 15, 20 minute power nap. I can't, some people be taking like two hour naps. I don't know how how y'all do it. You did a two hour nap. Girl, I don't know how y'all do it. I need to just give me 15, 20 minutes and I'm okay. If I take a two hour nap, baby, I ain't moving no more. And sunlight too though. I think you're somebody that told me about like just how good sunlight is, but Sunlight also helps me when yeah. I'm feeling overwhelmed with a lot of things um, because something happened recently and I opened up my fridge and I went for um, something I shouldn't have not been eating in that time because I didn't have it. I didn't have it in room with my macros. I reached forward and my my thick ass was happy to get the fork. And then I heard a voice say like, mm-mm, mm-mm, because you know when you eat it, you're going to feel guilty. So if you're going to eat it and feel guilty, that means you should not eat it right now. So like I also try to listen to if I know I'm going to feel guilty about eating something that that has to mean that I can't fit it in my macros because you know how parents be like, oh, if you shame that mean you shouldn't have done it. I try to have that mindset too to try to like be disciplined about what I consume. Yeah, 
But shit, parents though. Like that's another thing too. Like I also feel like the way that we were taught when it comes to food, all we know is eating. Like, didn't nobody tell us that you need to consider eating certain foods? Like, that's a lot of unpacking too. Like when you're some people don't meal prep because all they know to do is either one, eat out, or two, when they do cook, it's going to be food that their parents will will cook and everything that go into that is just not as healthy if you're trying to have certain fitness goals. So like trying to unlearn your childhood when it comes to your approach to food also impacts your mental state and your physical state. That I, you know what, I agree a hundred percent. We always talk about childhood trauma, but we learn our eating health habits in childhood mm-hmm. and Christian in my household and the black, a typical black family, you, I mean, you're going to get grandma going to cook good home cooked meals, but you're not learning like how to, you need to fast. You need to mm-hmm. eat fruit in the morning. You need to take vitamins and get sunlight and work out. I only, my auntie was the only adult in my life growing up that I seen her work out and care about her health. She would always go work out and, and, she still work out to this day, but she was the only adult, and um, we seen work out, and it's like now I'm thinking back, like that's not normal, like mm-hmm. and not work out like at all. So we assume like that's how life's supposed to be, right? Like <laughs> just eat, mm-hmm. uh, eat for comfort. Get older because all your family be when they get older, so they they automatically tell you that like that's. <laughs> And you know what's so funny about that too? We also learn how to treat ourselves when it comes to our weight from our family or those close to us. Because I remember, I remember that summer, and you know this summer, the summer that we we had got real fine, y'all, like real, real, real fine, like fine as wine. I remember a question that I that I got was, ooh, Hilla, that boy ain't eating up there in college, is he? And I'm like, well, damn, I don't really miss a meal, dude. Like, I think I, I think I'm eating. And they were like, oh, there's you don't got too small. Like you, your clothes don't fit you the way. So then I'm thinking, oh, okay, I need to scale back because if people think I look crazy, I need to fix that. And then when you get, if you get too big, oh, you need to pull back from that. You don't gain what's well, something wrong with you. Like we don't, we learn how to treat ourselves and how to perceive ourselves most times from our close relatives or our friends. And that too goes into how we approach this idea of what an appropriate body should look like, especially if you want people to really see. And we all know summertime means less clothes. So if you want people to really see your body, we're conditioned to feel like, oh, okay, if my family would diss my ass, I need to not even go out there like that. That's so true. And we'll be like, some black people lose weight. First thing people think they don't crack. Right. Ooh, that girl's sick. Gonna... <laughs> Yo, she's sick. She got AIDS. Yeah, and it's That's... so toxic. And her, I don't know if you noticed this with the older generation, when they be like, well, I don't lose too much weight because they don't think I, I'm sick, I'm on drugs. The older generation, they are traumatized by it. And a mm-hmm. lot of them don't lose weight for that reason i've heard like a lot of like i don't want to be too small for that reason but even though they need to be that small for health reasons it's like because when society say what they family gonna say they don't want people to 
think they on drugs. Right. But I experienced that too. Like, if, when I started like losing weight, and my grandma would say, "Okay, like, don't get too small." And be like, "With well, that, like, I was thinking, like, well, damn, I'm just trying to be, just trying to be healthy." Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we so conditioned, and even I feel like that. But like, okay, I don't want to get too small. You know, I want to stay thick, especially in Mississippi. Me and love us being thick. Sure do better. Thighs, you need some jiggle. You mm-hmm. need that. A good old it's, table booty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm trying to be healthy. Like, <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. trying to be healthy right now. Yeah. And two things that you just made me think of. The first thing is, now that I'm older, the statement about looking a certain way because of HIV and AIDS is so ignorant because that does not, that's not an immediate side effect, especially with the the growth that we've seen in medicine. That's just a, such a ignorant, ignorant statement, child. But I give them grace because they didn't know any better back then. The second thing is to... I also feel like certain places, and we can only speak for Mississippi because we're from Mississippi, but I feel like certain body types are expected based off of your geographic location. Like what you just said about, you know, how they love, you know, thick women, big booty. Imagine how many women are even guys, because like I even imagine myself like, oh, what would I be if I didn't have a, a nice ass? Like, how can I live like life? But Imagine women and people who feel like if I lose my weight, would I be attractive to people? Like they associate that and sometimes they hold on to body types that they may not even want to hold on to anymore because they fear right. of not being attractive by whatever group they attract. It's just such a nuanced situation, man. It really is. And I feel like and I hate to say this, but it has to be said. I feel like only black people go through this when trying to be healthy. I feel like white women, they get in the gym going hard. They get small. They can be a damn toothpick, and that's fine to them. That's mm-hmm. what they, like, they find. And they get more, so they can do it. I feel like it's not the same pressure as with black fitness and mm-hmm. being when you a black woman, a black man. Right. Yeah, because you have so many people, especially now that social media is around, you have so many people going back and forth about what your body should look like. Because you have, for so long, you had white women, you know, and European standards convincing black women that, okay, girl, your hair, that ain't cute. All that ass, you need to lose that. So when you had black women trying to conform and assimilate to that standard, you know, that was pressure. And then when you had Kim Kardashian come around and all these other women get asses do like, hell yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. We need some thick women. Oh, you know, but then when black women start to try to reverse as much or get bodies to compete, where the real bodies at? It's like, well, goddamn, where, where do you want me to exist? Yeah, that's true. Cause a lot of women do feel pressure to want ass. Yes. That's true. Mm-mm, it's crazy. Then, like being a gay, a gay black man, a gay black man with a certain body type that I'm fine with now, because niggas gonna be pulled regardless. But it's so it's pushed in your face that only a certain body type is the body type that should be the standard, and that's going to be like the washboard 
abs and like your quads have to poke out the v could the back muscles that's that's the expectation of what attraction is and i don't think really and truly the past maybe two to three years i started to see more diversity in how black gay men are shown even with rihanna being intentional about having plus size men model her stuff and like just showing diversity and what body types look like and what i love the most about people like lizzo and people like megan and even women who get surgery and who are open about like yeah i had my body done it creates this comfortability in saying i don't care what you feel about my body this was my decision to do so or this is my decision to have this body type and i don't owe you anything I don't owe you my health. I don't owe you my body type. It's for me to like. And if you happen to like it, great. Exactly. I just feel like back to with the Kim Kardashian and the, the booty phase, that is so true. And now this is what I hate. I hate when people body shame any type of way, and they, especially they body shame women who had surgery. That makes me so upset because this woman didn't like something about her body. She decided to change it. And what a lot of women, too, who don't know who gets surgery, that even though you do have surgery, you do still have to work out, right. you know, to, to look even better. But do not shame another woman for the decisions that she make over her body. That's her body. She exactly. And I, I be on Facebook and I see some girls, I mean, they be shaming the women they gonna get their body done. And you click on their profile picture. You already know right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That girl, you can use... Right. You could be working out too, you go get something done to it. That's not fair. Like, mm -hmm. you don't do other women like that. You don't know their mental process or how they... How what they've been through, what they influenced like their decision, yeah. Yeah, depression, like body depression is real. Body dysmorphia, like that's real. You don't know mm -hmm. what they went through and feel peer pressure or anything to go go get that surgery. Yeah. So I hate the other women or other people like body shaming people for their choices. And you know what's so crazy? Now that I'm thinking about it. It's crazy because when women make that statement about other women, Regardless if your body was done by a doctor or solely by Jesus, baby, it's not going to make you any better for a man to treat you a certain way. So women who have their natural bodies without being touched, okay, you may run into a man, they still may dog you. And the same thing with other women. Like, just because the body is done does not mean that you're a better woman. Right. And the words are Nicki Minaj. Exactly. The words of Nicki Minaj, she was like, that real ass can keep your nigga home. Look at you, still in the same position as the women that you be talking about, girl. That's same position. So we, we definitely need to stop 
Right. How do you feel mentally? How do you feel? How do you feel like you look? Let's get to the gym and do X, Y, Z. You don't feel like making it to the gym today. Okay. What's going on with your mental health? What's keeping you like it's layers to it. And people should want to like, like you and I say, it's more about trying to create sustainable lifestyles and not go in this yo-yo thing because that adds to so much pressure and it can also lead to seasonal depression too because yeah. you can you can actually end up hating yourself during a certain time and feeling like you're not worthy because of you look different so that's that's true so um to kind of bring the conversation back what helps me with my emotions because we actually you said sleep sunlight working out um me because I, I'm a stress eater at work. When work get busy, I feel like, well, I need to eat. So, um, what helped me? Realizing that it was an unhealthy coping mechanism, like just being aware of it, mm-hmm. it helped a lot change my mindset. And to be aware, I can kind of prevent it. So, um, sunlight, getting up, walking, working out helps a lot. Um, singing, I know this is so weird, but singing helps with my emotion and stress because I think I think it, it puts you back into your body of awareness because when you singing you have mm-hmm. to be present you have to be listening to the song you have to be singing so singing helps me like listen to music and singing help me be aware and present so they help with like emotions and stress and to calm my nervous system so I think those are I think we kind of got the same things uh, that helps with emotional eating. I think it's just really being aware. Like, like girl, you just stressed out right now. You just upset. Like, do not eat that. It's not going to. I have to talk to myself like that. Like, when I'm eating a snack and want some more, like, Didi, this is a snack. You know this shit is not going to fill you up. It is just, a, it's meant to what? It's a snack. You need to go eat a meal if you're hungry because that's how you eat bags of chips because like you can't do this like go eat a meal if you're hungry but this is just a snack so like i have to kind of be real with myself and be aware and just like coach myself through when i feel like i need to emotionally eat yeah that's the thing too and um i think overall just being more i'm more compassionate with myself this time around, and again, like I don't know if it's because like I'm getting closer to thirty, or like, my mindset is changing, but I want to look good and feel good, and pay attention to how I'm feeling, not just how I'm looking. Like mm-hmm. um, last week, girl, I was so broke down in the physical aspect, like my thighs was sore, but like I can barely walk because like I was hitting the gym consecutively, like a lot, right? And my body was also getting used to going to the gym at five in the morning for two weeks in a row. So even putting my body through all of that, like there's it's a lot of stress that sometimes you have to put yourself through to get to to get to new habits. And I realized when I took those two days off, I was like, I'm proud of you, Darius, because you were compassionate enough and you listened to yourself and you paid attention to how you feel and not just how you look and you gave yourself the grace to be home away from the gym and know that gym life should not be the only thing that defines who you are and how you feel 
it may help with how you look, but deep down, like, how do you feel? And I want more people to start thinking about that. Like, I get the idea of like wanting to be posting a lot of things on Instagram and show you on vacation and doing XYZ. But that be a snippet of someone's life. And we never know what goes on behind the camera when it comes to what what they're thinking, what have they been through the last couple of weeks? How are they when that picture is taken and the phone is given back to them? So like just be mindful of the pressure that the pressure that you're getting and where where it's coming from, it could also be coming from people who are also feeling that pressure. And it's a cycle. And sometimes we have to choose to step out of that cycle to create cycles that best fits our own lives. Right. I agree, because that snippet they show you on Instagram, that's a snippet that we want mm-hmm. you to see. Something that we want to <laughs> and see. I'm, and I'm happy you took two days off, because you go, you go real, real hard real in the gym. Hard. Like, real hard. Real <laughs> you know, hard. But look, your muscles, your body, you really need to take, like, a week off. Your body will benefit from resting, because you it go really real does. hard in the gym. And Jeanette is, too. Like, you know how, like, <sighs> that's another thing, like, we didn't talk about, but Genetics goes into it too, people. Like, y'all may see me and be like, oh, this dude really got buff. No, I didn't get buff, baby. I sculpted it out some, but this is this is a lot of genetics. Like, if you if you see Didi, y'all probably, oh my God, her body, who did? No, baby, that's she she's blessed with genetics. So I don't even look at everybody and be like, I want that body type. Because you may not even be able to go into the gym and get that body type because of your genetics. So it's a lot to keep in mind. A lot to keep in mind. That is true, because body, everybody, body type is genetics play a huge factor in body type and weight loss, mm-hmm. and I learned that too. Because yeah, I got ass, but genetically and from what I be eating, I got I got stomach too, and that's how I carry. That's why I carry my weight. And looking at my family, even my mom, I was there the other day. She done lost some weight, and she did not work out at all. I mean, she chased kids or she don't work out. <laughs> and when people look at her body, she has a nice body. Like just that's just from genetics. And people get so caught up, like, girl, what exercise you did? How how can I get my butt set up? How can I do that? Yeah, it's true. You can go to the gym. You can uh, get your glutes right, stitch your butt up. You can do all that. But at the end of the day, a lot of stuff is genetics. Or if you go have surgery to get that body. Yeah. And like you said, like, y'all, I think we should leave y'all with the, the thought and realizing that it's important to be kind to yourself at whatever stage you're in on your fitness journey. And... um keep in mind that it's a lot of things that go into the journey. It's a lot of up and down, there's changes that you may face in your life. And don't feel bad if you experience a setback because just as we experience setback in finances and relationships and the workplace, car, well, girl, when a car set us back, like you're going to experience setbacks even when it comes to fitness. Um, so just be kind to yourself the whole way through. That's true, and I want to leave out with just because this is true to me right now. Just finding balance and eating healthy and working out and just enjoying the process, like not overloading yourself. Because that's what I have to do to myself. Like 
just not trying to overdo it. Just like, hey, I got to do this for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I can be patient with myself. Yeah, patience, patience, kindness, and compassion. That's what we're going to leave y'all with. Well, Khadija, Didi, thank you so much for calling in. Um, the episode <laughs> drops tomorrow, which will be May 30th. Girl, May came in and said, hey, girl, I got to go. <laughs> Yeah, um, but thank you so much. I'm going to text you and let you know when everything is edited, and tomorrow you'll be the first person to get the link. All right, thank you for having me. All right, talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, y'all. As I just said goodbye to my good friend, Krija Todd uh, Diddy Blue, one of my good friends since kindergarten, and look at us. Closing in on our 30s chat. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Again, if you're someone that goes through any kind of up and down mentally, emotionally, while trying to obtain this idea of summer body, be kind to yourself. Whatever body you have when summer kick off, enjoy that body and enjoy life. You don't have to have a certain body to enjoy life. Um, Love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. And I will talk to y'all next week. Blip, blip, blip.